You're listening to Shift, Human First Financial Guidance with Ross Marino. Today, we are shifting the conversation with Dan Ariely and Christoph Gleisch. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, hello. Hello, great to be here. Welcome to the show today. Um, you have a fascinating company and you have a fascinating business that both of you are together involved in. And it started based on my reading when you you had this idea to explore how corporate culture impacts company performance. And I know both of your companies actually work along this. Dan, could you maybe start off and tell us, uh, you know, what kind of sparked the idea to explore that? Yeah, so so I have uh, two hats. Uh, I have a hat as a professor at Duke. I do work on what's called behavioral economics, and I study how people make financial decisions, health decision, and human motivation. And um, I I spend years studying human motivation, a little bit in the lab, a little bit with one company at a time. And about six years ago, um, uh, David, uh, my partner at, at uh, Irrational Capital. Uh, came to me and said, look, uh, when you go to a company, you can always seem to kind of improve productivity. But can we look at the market? And can we look at companies who are doing better and doing worse? And would this be a good tool for investment, to just invest in the companies who are doing better at this? And in the standard uh, arrogance of an academic, I said, of course, everything we find in the lab seems to be working. If we can identify the companies, that will be great. I just don't know if we'll have the right data. So I had a lot of confidence that we have codified a lot of elements of human capital in the lab and experiments and so on. The question is, could we look at publicly traded companies and get, get the right data that would tell us how they're doing this? So we started a long, long journey of looking for the right data. And we ended up with two sources of data. One is proprietary. Uh, think about something like um, satisfaction surveys that go into companies and ask you questions about all the way from how much you like the, the coffee to what's your health benefits. And we also have data from uh, public sources. Think LinkedIn, think uh, Glassdoor, and, and so on. And we basically have data that goes back to 2006. And we basically say, can we characterize a company, depending on what we know already about human motivation, can we separate the companies that are treating the employees better and worse? And would that have an effect in terms of alpha? And we spend a long time uh, trying to do lots of analysis and lots of looks and lots of thinking about the data. And we finally ended up with an answer that we think the answer is yes, which means that both the principles are correct, but also the data is good enough to, uh, to support it. Uh, since then, of course, we keep on trying to improve both of our understanding and the data. It's, a, it's an ongoing process. We haven't, we haven't finished, but, but we codify that. And then the question is, what do you do with this? So we have uh, imagined the Fortune 1000 and imagine that every company has uh, a number that says, what is the human capital? What is like the, the human energy that powers that, that company? Now you have all of this. And now the question is, um, what do you do with it? And uh, that's uh, happened to be a lucky, was very lucky for us to, to meeting Christoph at, at that time. And maybe Christoph, I'll yeah. uh, pass the mic to you. So, um, so I'm, I'm the president and the chief investment officer of an investment firm in Chicago called Harbor Capital Advisors. 
And what we do and what I do is look for skilled money management approaches um, across the world, across different markets, equities, fixed income, commodities. And we're looking for investors that can generate strong returns um, by investing in public markets. And, you know, that usually leads us to whether it's finding a value investor or a growth investor. But what's unusual here is the innovation behind the signal. Um, I'd never seen anything like it. We're talking about measuring the value of human capital. Dan, Dan said the word energy there. So I'll, I'll riff with that for a second. So if you think about the first law of thermodynamics, energy can neither be created nor destroyed. It can only be transferred. And when you think about culture, I think culture is that transmission mechanism within a company that takes, if you have a good culture, you take from the well of potential energy and you transfer it to kinetic energy. If you have a bad culture, you take from kinetic energy and you transfer it back to potential. Said differently, um, you know, co companies with great cultures, engaged employees, uh, perform, uh, the, the whole is greater than the sum of their parts. And those that don't, the whole is less than some parts. And that's key to really kind of understanding. And then what follows from that is companies that do a great job of investing in corporate culture, engagement, motivation, bringing that kind of all together, it's going to translate into shareholder returns. Um, so that, it was just personally something very, that I believed in, you know, I haven't been a career professional for 20 plus years, having worked in different cultures before and having observed by investing in money managers different cultures it's just it's so important you know every uh business leader says our number one asset is what our people and uh with dan's firm they figured out a way of empirically measuring that and ultimately we've partnered together to create three etfs that make this now investable so people can benefit through stronger returns by investing in great human capital and if i if i can steal something that uh, christoph uh, helped me think about which is that uh, that that really human capital is an accounting mistake if you think about it a, a company that invests in a warehouse it's an investment a company that invests in its people it's a cost that shouldn't be like that it should be companies should have on their asset sheets human capital, and they should think carefully about how they're investing in human capital and what does it mean and so on. But right now it's, it's missing. Like a piece of the quarterly report and annual report that is just missing, it goes into the cost, but they don't think enough about the upside. About the, the, the so for me as an investor, uh, something that isn't recorded correctly, it's not accounted for. You know, good human capital should be capitalized as an asset on a balance sheet like a factory, uh, but it's not. That suggests an inefficiency. How do you generate stronger returns in markets? You spot an inefficiency and then you create an, a, a structured investment process to positively exploit that inefficiency to generate strong returns. Yeah, if, if I remember correctly, there was some quote, I don't know if it was Carnegie, where uh, he had said, you could take away, and I'm paraphrasing and butchering it, take away the money in the factories and everything, but if you leave me my people, I'll have it all back in X number of years. It was, I think it was a Carnegie quote or Rockefeller, somebody. Sounds sounds like Carnegie. Yeah, so but, 
But I, whatever it is, whatever it is, it is, it is very clear that, you know, if you think about the, the question of what, what makes a company function well, it's individuals. And it's not just individuals. If everybody do just what they're told, like, you know, an Italian strike, right? Everybody uh, just work at the minimum level needed. We understand that no company will ever improve, right? We rely on people to do above and beyond. We rely on people to search for innovation and improvement and helping each other and mentoring young, younger people and so on. It, it's a machinery that runs on goodwill. And the companies that are doing better on that are obviously more successful. Going, going back to your, your point, your, your quote from whoever it was, uh, we saw that the value of human capital became higher during COVID. Mm. Why? Because if you think about intrinsic motivation, you know, when you're in the office and you're in a meeting, there's all kinds of things in the environment that forces you to pay attention and to work with other people and, and so on. The moment people are at home, there's more left to, to goodwill, more left to intrinsic motivation. And to the extent that work from home is here to stay, you know, not, not maybe five days a week, but, but work from home is here to stay, the role of intrinsic motivation is also going to keep on going and, and increasing. And the companies who are going to do well on this will do much better. I think from my perspective, I, I don't approach this thought with almost any level of skepticism. Uh, it's about the people. We know that. It's almost like an assumed statement that the business is only as good as its people. You know, I get that. I understand it. I've lived it having startups and businesses myself. But to translate that to an investment strategy over your course of research, you know, you two obviously came to a point where you said, we've got to do this. This isn't this isn't just a good idea. This is something that we need to do because it's that important. Uh, Dan, can you take us through maybe that moment when you said, we've got to do this? Yeah. So, so first of all, I think, I think that you're absolutely right that everybody recognizes that human capital has to be important, right? Nobody would say, let's take the companies that have high human capital and let's short them. I mean, nobody right. would, would say it's, it's a bad signal. But what is important, and you know, social science has proven over and over that our intuitions about what matters are not always what really matters, right? So there's a desire to invest in human capital, but then there's understanding the secrets of human motivation. And a lot of my work and the work of other people have shown that people have biases. Uh, for example, we think that uh, higher bonuses are always the best way to motivate. No, sometimes they actually uh, demotivate people. And, you know, we, we truly don't understand what it is. And uh, I, for example, did a lot of work on uh, the feeling of a, being appreciated and showing even small ways of being appreciated make the big impact. And indeed, in the data, we see, we see that echoed in a very big way that people feeling appreciated makes a big, a big deal. But, but for me, the, the question, the moment we got the data, and after about a year of analysis in which we managed to, to convince ourselves that this was real, um, that, was, that was the step of, okay, now, now that we have the data, that we, we, we uh, have strong sense that it's not just a theory, but, but we have the data, now it's a time to do that. And then we had the extra benefit that the uh, nice people at JP Morgan in their quant group uh, wanted to look at our data 
and, and get uh, their own independent view of that. And as an academic, that's always very good, right? You want peer review, you want somebody else to look at that. And when somebody else was an expert, look, you know, as, as a newcomer to that field, it, it's a very strange field when you come from the outside. By the time you get used to it, you don't see how strange it is. But it's a strange, it's a strange field with, you know, language and beliefs and so on. So coming from the outside, uh, the, the J.P. Morgan reports uh, were, were very uh, were very powerful. Um, and as a as a say, this is a time to uh, really really get going. And and I, I have to give uh, a lot of credit to Christoph here because, you know, when the moment I convinced myself that we have enough in, indeed good data, I went to some uh, somebody that, that I knew on on the book on the Duke board that runs a very large fund, and I told him about this and I told him the data and I showed him and he said no no we are fundamental investors, and I said you know what's more fundamental that, than human capital. You know, how can that not be a part of the fundamentals? No, 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 no. So that was, for me, a kind of a low point because I realized that the industry as a whole has been used to talking about a few things that are kind of in the conversation, and there are some things that are just out. And, uh, and, and the, it's very hard to even consider it. And, and Christoph was willing to, to take a real, a real look. Um, yeah. I'll um I'll add to that. So look, I, I'm of the belief we're of the belief that the you know the explosion in like data over the last decade is going to lead to new insights and new sources of alpha generation that just didn't exist 10, 15 years ago. So sort of as a starting point, I'm as an investor, I'm very open-minded, um, very sort of focused on innovation, and I think you know markets are very very efficient. And I think in order to kind of stay ahead, you need to kind of keep looking forward and embracing like incremental advantages to an investment process. And so being open-minded with regards to data and newness. And as Dan there's a lot of inertia in our, in our industry. Um, so when I heard and saw and read um, the, the research and looked at the results of the research, I was just naturally intrigued. Now, my job as an investor is also to be cynical and skeptical, and I was. And my initial hypothesis, that whenever I'm looking at any approach to money management and I look at returns, I assume all those returns are due to luck. That's my kind of null hypothesis. And then I need to try and reject that hypothesis. So when I looked at this, my initial reaction was, you know, love what they're trying to do. Sounds great, but it's probably just other factors that already exist and are known factors repackaged under a nice marketing umbrella. And so I thought when I kind of really rolled up our sleeves and did the work, we would see a small cap effect, a quality effect, and a momentum effect, and then probably nothing else left over. And so when I kind of, when we really kind of got serious and thought we've got something here, is when we did all of our due diligence and did all of our factor disaggregation and, and portfolio analytics and all that kind of stuff that we do in, in our lab. And I was stunned how idiosyncratic the returns were and they weren't explained by other common factors, which then kind of makes sense when you sort of start piecing this together. Well, they're looking at data that is 
very proprietary and not everybody kind of has access to this data. So how on earth would a risk tool explain their data insight by other common factors? No, there's going to be an unknown, which is the alpha of the signal. And that's ultimately what we're looking for. And then when JP Morgan um, ran some significant research, so JP Morgan's um, cell side research run by a gentleman called um, uh, Mark Kalanovich and um, Karun Chowdhury on his group led the research. I used to work at JP Morgan. I know how good that group is. And when they published a 40 page like independent validation showing that this signal, the human capital factor signal was, you know, orthogonal, not explained by other signals, it starts to line up. And then we started talking about like, how do we bring this to investors? And ultimately we decided that creating indices um, that reconstitute once a year, because this signal is quite long versus other quant signals. You get quant signals that decay in a matter of, well, minutes at the high frequency scale, but this one decays with the frequency of years. So bringing something to the marketplace that, that reconstitutes once a year um, as an index, fully transparent in a low-cost ETF was for us a no-brainer. I'd imagine it'd be challenging to work with different partners as an investor, as an investment company. And, you know, each relationship may have some nuances about it. Um, Irrational Labs is maybe a little different than your typical partner or typical maybe data source that you would have from Harbor. Christoph, could you talk about maybe how you work with them and some of the challenges or the unique as aspects of it? Yeah, I mean, Dan's calendar's like challenge number one. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but it, they, you're right, they, it's, it's different. So like uh, from a first principles perspective, the engine inside these ETFs is driven by irrational capital. Dan is business partner at Scott, their CIO. Um, they are the engine inside this ETF. And then our job is to kind of wrap an ETF around this engine, make sure we have an ETF gives um, good exposure to what they're doing and their research, do all of the compliance, the operational, the legal oversight, uh, work with all of the market makers and capital markets to make sure it trades with nice spread. And then ultimately, to get the story um, out there in the marketplace and try and educate uh, the market on this new factor. You know, new factors don't come along very often. You know, people are familiar with value, people are familiar with quality, people are familiar with momentum, but people need to get familiar with human capital. Um, and so, look, we're, we're, this is this is a long-term process. Um, we work with the rational capital as they're, they're sort of classified as the index provider and we essentially do everything else. Um, and then we partner with Dan um, on things like this as well, just to help kind of educate and, and create awareness of this. Um, but then also we do um, we do ongoing due diligence. Uh, you know, we're, we're big believers in, um, back to that C word, culture. Culture of continuous improvement is something that we look for in any of our money managers, whether they're more traditional equity managers, or in this case with Dan, and irrational capital. So we want to make sure that they are continually investing in their own R&D to make sure in this case, the human capital factor um, is as cutting and as leading edge as it possibly can be. Yeah, if I can, if I can add one other thing. So 
So I think that the, um, you know, one of the exciting things about human capital is that it's an investment, but it's also an important tool to reflect on your own, on our own lives. Right? Because once you understand, for example, that feeling appreciated really matters, um, what are you going to do differently tonight at home? <laughs> right? And what are you going to do uh, differently with the people that you, that you work with? And, you know, we are surrounded by thinking all the time about what it is that makes people happier and achieve more and motivated and, and so on. And we, it's very much a part of our uh, culture, right? It's our, our mindset. We keep on looking for opportunities to improve both the investment and the way, the way we work. And I think that the, um, uh, our, our partnership with, with Harbor and with uh, Christoph is feels very much that we are uh, not two companies. Mm -hmm. I think I had a, an email newsletter a couple days ago. I think it was from Behavior or um, Decision Labs. Mm -hmm. And it was talking about the number one benefit of working together versus remote. And they said it's those face-to-face -face interactions, exactly what you just said and, and how important that is. And uh, yeah, we've definitely lost some of that. But the final comment I wanted to make was, is, is why this is so fascinating to me and what really caught my attention is when I see a new idea, some of them you really have to think about and listen to, and maybe they're they're over my head or they're a little deep. But when I heard this explanation from Christoph, I just thought, well, duh, you know, of, of course that's that's important. That's going to drive returns. Where he didn't need to give me a five minute explanation, he just said human capital and talked about. It. And I thought, well, yeah. So how do you quantify that? It was really fascinating. So uh, I appreciate you guys being on the show. I'm looking forward to how this develops, how it grows. I'd imagine this is just the first step. I'm sure you have ideas. I won't ask you about them, but uh, I'd imagine yeah. it's just the beginning. So Dan, Christoph, yeah. appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ross. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Shift with Ross Marino. Please visit humanfirst.live to learn more. This show is for general information purposes only and is not intended to provide recommendations or advice. Speak with a legal, tax, or financial advisor before making any decisions. Past performance references are historical and do not guarantee future results.